Welcome to Nutrition Grad Guide. I'm your host, Shana Sapi, a qualified nutritionist and multi-passionate entrepreneur. I created this podcast to help nutrition grads just like you navigate your way into a career and a life that you love. In each episode, I'm going to bring you interviews with experts in the nutrition and health field, exploring a range of different career pathways. We'll learn about what they do, how they got there, and their advice to help you grow a successful career as a nutritionist or a natural health professional. Thank you for tuning in. Today's guest is Shelley McKenzie from Freedom Wellness, and Shelley is a clinical nutritionist who is also a soon-to-be naturopath. Um, And she sees one-on-one clients in clinic and also has her own podcast. So we're going to dive into all of those different topics today. So welcome, Shelley. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited (laughs) to have you. (laughs) Um, So to start off with, tell us a little bit about how you got started in the nutrition space. Yeah, cool. So um, I am a country girl. So I'm from Yarrawonga, Mawela, up on the border of New South and Vic. And so um, growing up, I was raised in a typical, you know, meat and three veg sort of family. And my parents knew what they knew at the time and what they thought was best. So that was sort of my childhood. We lived pretty healthy. Um, And I played lots and lots of sport because in the country, there's not a lot to do. Um, So, but I did start drinking pretty young. Like I started drinking, um, you know, and indulging in alcohol at um, a young age. (laughs) Um, And I guess my lifestyle, you know, when I left school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so I went on to become a personal trainer. And at that time I decided to move to Melbourne and just see where that took me. So I was always interested in the health space, but when I moved to Melbourne, um, I got wrapped up in the partying lifestyle and started drinking a lot. And um, yeah. And so I was living that typical Monday to Friday lifestyle where, you know, you, go out and um, on the weekends and you binge drink and you, you know, doing 3am macaroni runs or whatever and barely sleeping and what have you. And come Monday to Friday, I would eat what I thought was healthy and I would, um, you know, just train. Like I would exercise so, so much. And that was my lifestyle from the age of 18 to about 24 years old. And when I hit 24, um, I call it my health storm. So I was heading back to the country to visit my parents and I just became, well, first off, I became a bit sore and stiff. And so I rang my mom and she said, I'll book you in at our massage, like therapist. I went and got a massage and that night I got home and um, I was like, oh, that's triggered something in me. And I felt quite unwell. And so I went to bed and the next morning I had to ring my parents and say to my dad, can you come and pick me up and take me to the lounge room and get me out of bed? Because I physically Mm. couldn't get myself out of bed. I became so, so sick within this like four window period and it really spiraled very, very quickly. So from that point of not even being able to get out of bed this morning, I ended up having two iron infusions. I had to be on 24 hour um, supervision because the doctors didn't know what was wrong with me. I couldn't keep any food down at all. If I wanted to go to the bathroom, I had to be carried. Um, And after, you know, test after test after test, the doctors at the start couldn't work out what was wrong with me. My diagnosis went from, I had some sort of cancer to I've had a parasite because 
in those partying days, I traveled a lot as well. I was sort of only in Australia for about eight months at a time. And then I'd be off traveling in all sorts of countries for a few months. So that was sort of that. And then eventually my diagnosis, I say, landed somewhere in the middle. And that was with Hashimoto's, which is now I'm finding a very common um, disease. But when I was diagnosed at 24, I'm now 32, uh, I knew nothing about it and I'd never heard of that. And so... Yeah, I was diagnosed with that. And at the same point, I was given a bag full of medication and told to take one of these pills every day for the rest of my life. And at the age of 24, that just really didn't sit well with me. And yeah. although, you know, I always say when I'm explaining this story at this point, um, there is a time and a place for some Western medication in certain people. However, for me, I knew that it wasn't the right option. Yeah. And I was heading to India with my now husband and we were riding a motorbike down the coastline for six weeks. And wow. ob yeah, <laughs> obviously I was like advised not to do that. Doctors yeah. were like, you're crazy. Um, but I'd had this trip booked like even before I met my you know, husband, Maka, like um, we were dating at the time, but yeah, I had a book before we'd even started dating. And so I was going and he came along with me and we rode the motorbike down the coastline of India for six weeks and it was the most incredible time, but I was still really sick when I was over there and at this point mm -hmm. still hadn't taken medication, but I thought, what better place to be in to start trying to heal my body? Yeah. You know, I'm in India, I'm in a stress-free zone. I have all these beautiful herbs and spices and fresh food. And so that was really when I started to play around with my diet. Mm -hmm. Um and at the beginning, I went vegetarian and then went vegan and I was vegan for about nine months and keeping in mind, like I had no idea what I was doing. I still haven't studied nutrition at this point. Um, and then after about nine months of being vegan, I started like really feeling very tired and fatigued and again, like having problems with my iron in the past it was just too long for me to be on that diet. However, it served mm -hmm. a place in terms of reducing inflammation. Mm -hmm. And so from there I did paleo and then I tried like every sort of diet and then I really, it just hit home that, you know, I'd come back to this lifestyle in Melbourne where all my relationships that I'd built since I was 18 were built around um, socializing and partying. And so I had to make some really big choices. So I decided to go off alcohol for two years cut out sugar. By this stage, I'd already cut out gluten and dairy. And I started um, doing bodybuilding competitions. And I lived in that world for two years. And the reason I did that was because I needed to give my friends an excuse as to why I wasn't drinking and why I wasn't partying anymore. And yep. eventually, a lot of those friends started to leave my life, which was a positive. Um, and yeah, and then once I sort of threw myself into bodybuilding, I started studying nutrition at the same time because by this stage, I had healed myself through food. And of course, I will always have Hashimoto's, but I was still medication free and I just saw the power of food and using food as medicine. So I went on to study nutritional medicine. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, and that's sort of how that all began a long story wow. I know 
but no, good story. I was like on the edge of my seat that whole time. <laughs> wow, what an so, introduction to the health space. That was you yeah. were really like thrown in, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, and it was like it was just one of those things where um, you know, it was it was what I needed to do. And I'd always said to my mum, you know, when I was leaving school, she's like, what are you going to do? You can't just be a personal trainer forever. And nowadays, I mean, you can with social media and the world we live in. But yeah. back then I was like, oh, I don't know. Like when I'm 25, I'll work out what I want to do and I'll go and study. Yeah. And um, it was around that same time that my body gave me a message and unfortunately that was disease but I needed that because I just wasn't listening to it and yeah I found nutrition which um ended up being my path which was amazing yeah that's so cool not cool that you had to get sick but yeah really incredible but it sort of was like it was a gift Yeah. yeah 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 and I wouldn't have found nutrition and I wouldn't have realized the power of food unless I had been sick and been on that journey myself so yeah um yeah. So no, it was a, it's a cool way. Cause I managed to, um, you know, I control my thyroid just through food and lifestyle now. And so it really doesn't yeah. bother me that I have Hashimoto's in the slightest. So yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I suppose it also helps you relate to anyone who comes to you with Hashimoto's as well. Yeah. Any, and any like chronic sort of chronic fatigue or chronic, you know, syndromes, thyroid, autoimmune, all that sort of stuff. Like I can, get um, where people are coming from, particularly if they've been on quite a journey and they're still trying to find what works for them. Like um, it was, there was times where I was definitely frustrated and, Mm. you know, it took me a really long time to learn what my body was doing and how I needed to respond to it. But yeah, so I guess I can have like a bit of compassion and empathy for people that have been on a healing journey for a while. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you started studying nutritional medicine. Where did you study? You tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, cool. So um, I was still working full time in the fitness industry uh, when I started studying. So and I was living in down the peninsula in Melbourne. So I studied online. Yeah, it was. But I was um, studied online at SSNT, yep. and which is Southern Schools of Natural Therapy in Fitzroy. Yeah. And initially, I just did the advanced diploma in nutritional medicine because I didn't know whether it was going to be a career for me or whether it was going to complement. Or I didn't really know like how I was going to use it or if I would continue personal training and just complement that. So I just did the nutritional medicine advanced diploma, um, <laughs> studied fully online. And then once I wrapped that up, I went on to study the Bachelor of um, Health Science in Naturopathy, which I'm still yeah. almost at the end of now. Yeah, nice. So you're doing that yeah. part-time as well? No, I do that full-time. So okay. that was a further two years on top of the um, nutritional medicine. So another two years and I had the bachelor. Yeah. Amazing. And at the same, like I still do that at SSNT. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And how are you finding balancing the full-time study and working in the industry as well? Yeah, look, it's great. Um, The, like, I guess I do a lot of um, face-to-face classes now. So my most challenging thing is breaking habits, particularly if I'm doing like a clinical subject or something like that. Obviously when I'm in practice seeing clients every day, it's very hard to break the way I practice as opposed to how they want you to practice in uni. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's probably been um, my biggest struggle is that. However, at the same time, I'm loving it because I respond really well to feedback. So I also really love, you know, the learning and them educating me on other things. But yeah, I'm, I'm a very routine structured person. So I do find that a little bit challenging. But um, yeah, otherwise, like it's good. I think having the I've always been someone that learns really well in a practical setting so being able to be in practice whilst also studying is definitely a positive for me because at least I'm putting into action what I'm learning as well yeah so hand in hand yeah yeah Yeah. so it's been great yeah Yeah, big big workload though I can imagine (laughs) yeah um and so how's your clinic experience been to date so are you practicing out of a clinic or do you have your own like little home clinic or how does that work for you Yeah, so when I first got into the industry, I went and worked at a practice in Sandringham called Vita Lifestyles, which is a chiropractic clinic. And I had a mentor there, Damien Christoph, who's a naturopath and also a um, chiropractor. So he was my mentor coming into the industry. And I am forever grateful for him because he taught me so much on you know, how to set up my appointments and how to charge people and word in to you so I could get over, you know, my fear of asking people, you know, for money yeah. um, and all those sorts of things. So he was incredible. And when I was getting new clients and cases, I would say to him, look, Damo, can I run X, Y, and Z past you? And so we'd sit down and actually brainstorm cases together as well and put together, um, you know, treatment aims and protocols. So I just think that that was such a kickstart for me as a nutritionist was coming out, having a really solid mentor and just learning those basic things for practice. Um, I knew I wanted to be a clinical practitioner at least part-time if not full so um yeah I I absolutely loved that so I worked um there for a year and while I was there I still ran my business freedom wellness out of there and I just rented space yeah and then from there after a year I felt like I'd sort of outgrown the space and I also fell pregnant and so I wanted to be able to move my practice home so that if like sorry not home to my local suburb so that if I chose to work after having my baby I could continue to work and it would be a little bit easier um so yeah after a year I moved my practice to Port Melbourne a lot of my my clients from Sandringham followed me down because it's really not that far and um yeah now I work out of a I guess it's like a multi-faceted business so it's a um really big old house almost like on Bay Street in Port Melbourne and there's five businesses all health and wellness businesses that work out of this double story place and I'm one of them so when I moved to Port Melbourne I saw the space I absolutely loved it there was no room for me and the owner um was so incredible and she said look if you want to build a practice room you can so my husband built me a room within her building so (laughs) yeah so so there's like it was really cool so um I mean my space it's literally like a room like that is all I have but that's all I need at this point as well and um yeah there's a yoga studio a spin shoot like a spin riding bike studio there's Mm -hmm. cryotherapy there's a masseur and then there's myself. So it's been incredible because we all use referrals from each other. We all recommend each other's businesses. Um, And yeah, it's just been a really nice environment to come in. So 
although I'm running my own freedom wellness again out of that and renting space, um, I still have a lot more flexibility and freedom with how I run my business, but have a nice community around me. So I'm not like fully in it on my own, if that makes sense. Yeah. The best of both worlds. Yeah. That sounds yeah. really cool. Yeah, yeah <laughs> it is. It's a very cool space. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So how have you gone when it comes to um, building up your client base? What tips do you have for other people who would also like to go in, down the clinical nutrition path? And how have you found the best way to find new people to treat? Yeah. So when I was in um, the first practice, I had five other chiropractors that I was working with. So I had a referral base coming in through there as well. Amazing. However, I found it quite challenging to build the practice externally away from what referrals I was getting from them just because it wasn't my local community. Yeah. So I guess my biggest tip is if you can set up in your local community where you're eating out, having coffee, going to the gym, like, you know, building all of those connections and that's going to really help your business. Um, So since moving my practice to Port Melbourne and my local space, I mean, it's just been a matter of I train at a couple of different um, gyms and studios in the local area and I know all the owners. I run um, nutrition workshops, which I find just incredibly fun but also incredible from a referral point of view um they're mostly I mostly do them complimentary so I use other facilities like gym space and I offer the um event for free and at the end I just have a capture where they can get a 15 minute complimentary nutrition consult with me which is my chance to then see if I can help them further Mm -hmm. so yeah I do that um what else do I do? I don't really do any marketing in terms of like social media, so Facebook, any of that. I've tried that in the past. It hasn't really worked for me. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's just being in my local community. I have used most local communities have like a Facebook page for their community. So ours in Port Melbourne is called Face, uh, Port Melbourne Families. So yeah. that I find really useful as well to, um, to promote my business on. Um, But yeah, it's just about getting out in your community, like building connections. And yeah, as I said, if you're in your own local community, it's going to be much, much easier to be able to build those connections. Yeah, it sounds like it. That's really good. And you've got like a lot of different things that would all really complement each other. So that's yeah, a nice way to do it. Yeah. And it's important, particularly if you're just starting out, you know, it can be a little bit nerve wracking to go into say a chiropractor or a physio and be like, Hey, I want to collaborate with you. But um, it's not, as long as you can offer value to another business as well, more often than not, they're more than happy to collaborate with you. So yeah, I collaborate with all health professionals, gyms, cafes, um, anything that I see can add value to my business and vice versa, then I'll try to set up something with them. Yeah. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about the workshops you run. So you mentioned they're complimentary. How often would you say you do those? Um, Yeah. And how long do they go for? How do you go about preparing them? Yeah, so um, I do a lot of workshops in the corporate space as well. Given I'm in Port Melbourne, I'm very close to the city. So I do a lot of corporate workshops and normally um, I sort of run the same between corporate and even just every day. It's sort of like getting back to basics in nutrition and uh, forming healthy habits and I keep them pretty basic. Yeah. 
they will generally run, uh, I don't know, anywhere from like 30 minutes to an hour. Mm -hmm. And it just depends. I definitely charge for some, particularly if a lot of work is going into it or if I'm um, doing a different topic than, you know, one of my basic ones or if I'm collaborating with, like I collaborate with a beautiful kinesiologist quite often um, and for our workshops we will charge. Mm -hmm. However, just to drum up a bit of business, then, yeah, I normally do them complimentary or just charge like $10 just purely from a commitment point of view. I find a very low cost is worth it. before I had my baby, I would run them almost every month here in Port Melbourne and yeah. I would just change up the days and times. So I might have done them on like a Thursday night or a Saturday or a Sunday. I'd get local businesses involved. So I have um, a, a, a cafe that does like acai bowls and bliss balls. So they would always sponsor the event and um, I had a kombucha company that would always do that. So yeah, and I would reach out to um, different companies that I love and use and I'd put together little goodie bags as well just um, to offer, you know, something. But, yeah. yeah, so I'd sort of do them once a month. Um, and then where I did them varied, so often in yoga studios mm-hmm. um, or I did a lot with Lululemon, um, yeah, or then in the corporate space as well. Like I'd go into certain corporate companies and, and do it there as well. So it just varied, but at least, yeah, one a month I would do easily, I would have said. But, yeah, since having yeah. a baby, that's changed a little bit. Of course, especially having a baby, doing full time, full-time study and still working, you, yeah, would have your plate full there. You do very yeah, well life's pretty full. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and do you find with the corporate ones you sometimes get approached for those as well or is that more you go out looking for those or a bit of both um not necessarily they're more something that I get approached for so I there is a gym in the city which I collaborated with um which I collaborate with and they do a lot of corporate clients obviously being based in the city so they often um will contract me out to speak to their client um, and their companies that they work with. Mm -hmm. So it sort of began there. And since that, just exposure through Instagram and people seeing me doing, you know, corporate workshops and things like that, um, yeah, it's sort of growing. I, every now and again, will put up something on Instagram, like a post on my stories. And I'll say, you know, if you work for a company and you'd like a nutritionist to come in and chat to you guys, let me know. Um, and I'll also do that as well. And sometimes just get some fresh leads that way. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Oh, that's really cool. Mm. Yeah. And- so, and when I started, sorry, when I started working for the Uh, the gym in the city Mm -hmm. that was more there was a job advertised and someone had recommended me for it I don't even know who anymore um so yeah that was just like a really nice lead so it's definitely about like getting your name out there and yeah doing what you've got to do to be seen I guess in this industry because it is pretty cluttered um, and can be a little bit overwhelming so yeah yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that is really the importance of yeah being out there and having that social media presence and things like that, because if people don't know about you, they can't approach you. So yeah, yeah it's really good the way you've done that. It's so true. And some people, um, like some practitioners don't sort of see the value in social media or they think, oh, I'm going to work for a company and I don't want to run my own thing. So I don't really need to have social media, but 
I personally would recommend it whether you are going out on your own as a practitioner or planning on working for a company. I think it's really important to have your own brand, even if that is just under your name. Um, It's important to have some sort of presence because our industry is so exciting and it's forever changing and expanding. And so I just think to be able to work with cool brands and have another element, like there's so much we can do. And so having that social presence is important no matter which aspect you choose to go on. Um, But it can be a little bit overwhelming beginning that as well yeah especially as you mentioned it is quite it can be an oversaturated market so it can be quite daunting seeing all these people who are already established and then people starting from scratch but yeah Yeah, absolutely everyone feels the same though so it's like important because even for me like my business is pretty well established now I see people you know, ahead of me and I have to be careful not to get wrapped up because I think, oh, if I just did this, this, this. So even if you're just beginning and you're looking at someone a little bit ahead of you, they're probably looking at someone ahead of them. So we just need to begin. And I still remember having to, the beginning of my Instagram feed, like, you know, I used to feel like such an idiot posting pictures of my food or because a lot of the people I had were just friends or family. And I'm like, come on, Shelly, they don't want to see pictures of food. (laughs) But it was like what I had to do to build that presence. So it's just one of those things. And I think it's really important for practitioners to remember at the end of the day, you have a qualification and that sets you apart from a lot of people on Instagram just posting pictures of food. So So true, Yeah. You know, it's hard to forget that because we see so much of it. And if you're a nutritionist or a naturopath or a dietitian or whatever, you're probably following a million different foodie accounts. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, how many of them actually have a qualification? Yeah. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of photos of your food, you take very beautiful photos. Is that all you or do you like, have you ever done any photography classes or do you get help with your photography? No, so I do it all myself. Um, a lot of it's just on the trusty iPhone. Uh, sometimes I use a camera, but, you know, I yeah. don't get fancy all that often. Um, so, yeah, I just do it on my iPhone and I use Lightroom for my editing and yeah. I have some Lightroom precincts from the Fit Foodie. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, is that Sally O'Neill? Sally O'Neill, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah her yeah. photos are incredible so, as well. I know. So I think I purchased her um, presets for like, I don't know, 30 bucks or something. Um, And I literally use them on all of my food photos. It's just been game changing because I don't need to sit there and edit them all now. But I actually really enjoy like the photos and the editing side of things. It um, is like my creative. I'm not a very creative human, but that I just find um, allows me to bring in that creative side to my everyday work which yeah I I really enjoy so yeah Yeah. Lightroom precincts and presets I mean and um your iPhone iPhone. yeah yeah Yeah. well they look amazing they look professional a lot of them so you do really well with those (laughs) (laughs) thank you that's all right (laughs) another thing I wanted to ask was you mentioned with the workshops you have brands that um, provide products and goodie bags and things how do you go about approaching them when you are looking for that sort of thing Yeah, so I will always use brands that I personally love and use because it makes it so much easier to approach them. Um, I will always approach just via an email and it's sort of just like something really basic, like, hey, legends, I'm running this, you know, if I don't have a specific um, 
person to contact. You know, I'm running this workshop and this is what it's focused around. And then I will give them a bit of information around what I'm trying to achieve in the workshop, what sort of um, numbers that I'm wanting to get and the dates. And then I just let them know, you know, I'm a long-term user of your product and this is what I love about your product and why I'm wanting to incorporate them into my workshop and so yeah I just sort of say if you can provide any um, samples that I can put in my goodie bags like I'll be forever grateful and I obviously will um, let them know that I'll be promoting it via social media and and I do like in the lead up to my um, events and on the event day like when I'm putting together the goodie bags and things like I'm talking about it on my social media and what have you but with brands, I really don't feel like you need to have a large following base to get samples sent to you. And brands are very, very generous, particularly if you love them yourself, then that authenticity is going to come across in your email as to why you love them and why you want to collaborate with them. So yeah, I'll normally have like, I don't know, up to 10 products in a little goodie bag that I give Mm. everyone just for that added value. Um, and if I'm not doing a goodie bag, then it's, yes, it's sort of collaborating with local businesses and asking them to provide, you know, um, yeah, asahi bowls or bliss bowls or smoothies or whatever it might be. Um, and it's exposure for them and their business. So most yeah. brands are more than happy to, to um, yeah, collaborate. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That's really good to know. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, it just adds that extra value as well. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, it's really good for them because all those people that come to the workshop are going to be tasting it. And if you, it's something you genuinely love and you're going to be promoting it positively, that will go on to get them good sales as well as that exposure from the day. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So any brands, like I have a list of in my, um, in my computer, just brands that I love and love to work with. And some of them are like a dream list and other ones are ones that I work with on a regular basis. And um, now that I've got contacts, like I've obviously got all their contacts and everything. And every time I'm reaching out to them, I'm obviously saying to them as well, like, you know, you supported my last event and I truly, truly appreciate it. And I know that, you know, it's a big ask again, but would you be happy collaborating? So it's always, yeah. Just be really genuine and authentic when you are writing and asking brands for product and then do your part in um, promoting them as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those are great tips. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about your podcast. Tell us a little bit about that. When did you start it and how have you found that experience so far? Yeah, so I started the podcast oh, um, like two years ago, actually. Wow. And so I did the whole first year with a co-host who was a chiropractor. But then um, we ended up going our separate ways because it became quite hard for chiropractors to speak about much <laughs> in the health industry. Like they, there was, there's a lot of regulations around what a chiropractor can speak about. And so we found it quite challenging to continue doing the podcast together just purely because of this chiropractor's um, yeah, limits in what she could speak about, which was a shame. So, um, and then also another reason was when I was pregnant and having Van, um, I just really needed to be on my own schedule and not relying on a guest plus my own plus my co-host. So we went our separate ways um, and I separated the podcast and the new podcast, which is the Freedom Wellness Podcast, I've been doing now uh, for about 
what must it be, five months, six months, something like that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm doing it solo. Absolutely love it. It's purely designed around um, inspiring and empowering women to restore balance in their body and life. So we talk about, you know, topics all around diet, nutrition, but also I'll have on yoga teacher or teachers or meditation teachers, or it's, it's um, a broad um, podcast. Yep. And the reason that is, is because um, I wanted to be able to, when I'm in clinic with clients, I only have, you know, my, my sessions run anywhere from 15 minutes to an hour. And so on those shorter sessions, I really don't have time to be diving into a lot of questions that clients are asking me. So the yeah. podcast is an amazing way to be able to refer clients on and be like, oh, hey, actually did a podcast on that. It goes for half an hour. Why don't you head over and listen? If you've got any questions, click them through afterwards. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's been a really helpful tool to use in practice and be able to refer them on um like clients on and it's also an amazing networking tool as well yeah yeah we were talking about that off air yeah (laughs) yeah I completely agree it's been I think that's the part I love most about podcasting meeting amazing people like you and the other guests and yeah Yeah. I I couldn't recommend it highly enough to people who are considering it I'm the same. Like, yeah. I don't know about you, but I feel like it's a lot of work. But mm. again, it's more of that creative element as well. And so yeah. I quite enjoy enjoy it. Like, I think yeah. to podcast, you really have to enjoy all aspects of it. Yeah, um, definitely. But yeah, if you like talking, which I clearly do, I haven't shut up, <laughs> um, then I think it's a great, great option. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I've, um, I've made a lot of friends through the podcast and I found that doing face-to-face podcasts have been like essential for a networking point of view as well. Yeah. I think the main difference I found that when I was doing that first year with a co-host, it was all online and, you know, I would go to events only months after I'd interviewed a guest and they would have already forgotten who I am. Okay, yeah. So there's, um, when I can, particularly Melbourne-based people, I do try to get face-to-face with them if I can. And that just really helps build like solid relationships and connections. And in the cases that I have done face-to-face, like I've built really amazing friendships from it. So yeah, I I absolutely love podcasting. Yeah, that's awesome. And when it does Mm. come to finding the guests, do you generally reach out to them or have you started having people reach out to you as well? Yeah, it's a bit of a mixed bag. Um, I get a lot of people miss like emailing me or Instagramming me and I get um, quite a lot of companies that have like PR companies. Um, But I'm quite picky as to who I have on the show. Um, And ideally I like to have qualified professionals like health professionals because I am really passionate about having an education um, to be able to give health advice and if for some reason they don't have a qualification behind them but they're in the health industry and they've got a good story it will be a storytelling episode it won't be an episode where I'm seeking advice it would be 
um, an episode purely about their experience on something. So for example, I interviewed um, Kira Rumble, who has become now one of my amazing friends. And she is incredible and has incredible business within the health industry. But at the time, there wasn't a qualification. So rather than getting her on to speak about all of her amazing knowledge, um, we had both gone through miscarriages. And so we got on the show to highlight miscarriages and to talk about our experiences and just give people peace of mind that it does happen to a lot more people and just, you know, to share some exposure, I guess, on that. Um, So that's an example of, uh, yeah, so that's sort of what I do versus someone who's qualified would dive into whatever they specialize in, whether it's gut health or hormone health or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, that's a beautiful way to use it. Yeah. And then um, I think you're, question was about reaching out to people so yeah I have a and again a list of people that I want on the show um have a bit of a dream list some of them I contact on a regular basis um just by email I always try to email if I can rather than on social media because um I feel like people get a lot of like yeah I don't know that like people get a million messages a day some people on Instagram so I always yeah. try to email if I can so um yeah so that's sort of yeah it's just a dream list versus a who contacts me and then I just work out whether there's you know something I can do with them or not yeah yeah nice one and I noticed you recently changed it to seasons rather than doing weekly do you want to talk a little bit about your experience with that and if you recommend that to other people too Yep. So, um, I was doing it weekly and I found that I was starting to just release episodes purely because I'd said to myself that I'd do it weekly versus what my listeners wanted to hear. And I was starting to stray away from what I was just saying on, you know, having qualified people and having people that really, um, were going to offer something for my listeners so yeah um yeah so after there was one episode in particular that after I did it I was like and released it I just really wasn't happy and I was like why did I release that episode like it actually I thought at the time it was going to be a great episode and she was going to add a lot of value value and it was an episode that wasn't a qualified person so it was purely an experience but it was pretty much to sell her business and so it was at that point where I thought, no, I'm going to go to seasons and I'm going to do 12 episodes per season. And that just gives me a bit of time in between to find the guests that I think are going to add the most value to my listeners and um, really take my time with doing it rather than just having to find people and having to say yes to people to release an episode. So that was sort of my theory behind that so all the episodes that I'd done I think I've done like 20 episodes or something I put them just all under season one and my next batch will be season two which yeah I'll just start doing in 12 episode series um so yeah I'm I'm pretty happy with that decision to be honest and since making it as well like it's already lessened my workload so much and taken off the pressure yeah um so yeah I don't know when season two will come but 
um, it'll come when it comes. <laughs> yeah, and it'll be amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, hopefully, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I've already got um, some episodes that are just sitting on my laptop that need to be edited and I just haven't found the time. So I thought yeah. in between uni semesters when I've got a month off, that will be my time to, you know, get the editing done, have it all set up so that when I'm back at uni over that 12 weeks, every week a new episode can be coming out and I don't need to stress about that yeah. because life is pretty full as well. And so it was becoming a bit of a struggle to be able to do face-to-face -face interviews, juggle my baby. Like he sits on my lap for a lot of podcasts. So, so cute. <laughs> you know, it was all just becoming a lot to juggle. So something yeah. had to give and, um, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, the podcast isn't something that makes money for me and it's not something that I want to get to that point. Um, yeah. I do it just purely out of a passion project. So yeah, that was the one thing that had to give first in my life. So yeah, yeah. you love it. That no, sounds like a really good approach though. And it's great that you are doing it so that they can all be the quality you want them to be. Yeah, and I noticed um, quite a lot of people had been doing it. And I spoke to my friend Lola um, Berry, who's got Fearlessly Falling, and I sort of said to her, look, like I was really unhappy with this episode and this is how I'm feeling the podcast is going and I'm just not wanting to go down the route of just, you know, doing episodes because I've told people one will come out on a Friday. Yeah. And she was like, you have to go seasons. Like you have to do seasons. So, um, and she's been, since she released her podcast, she's been doing seasons and she does 12 episodes as well. Yeah. And yeah, she just said it just helps with, um, yeah, getting time to get the guests you want on. And it was so true. Like it was the best advice I could have got. To be yeah. Honest. So yeah. Oh, good tips mm. from all that. <laughs> Yeah, I tell you what, always <laughs> listen to people that are doing what you want to do or yeah. have made the same mistakes that you are currently making, like ask them, reach out. I will always try to ask people and my friends what I'm doing wrong or what I can do better because people in the industry, um, you know, they always have a different, a different approach to you and it could work so much better than what you ever thought possible so it's always worth asking and yeah. yeah just seeing what others are doing yeah so important to learn from others especially if they are 100%. doing what we want to do yeah I completely yeah, agree absolutely yeah yes. mm. so what are some skills you would recommend for anyone who either wants to start a podcast and then maybe we can talk a little bit about going down the clinical nutrition path as well Yep. So skills to have, do you mean? Yeah. Or? yeah so yeah, skills you so, think you need to be successful in those spaces. Yeah. yeah so podcasts, the first skill would be uh, you need to enjoy speaking yeah. and you need to enjoy connecting with people. I think if you're a bit of an introvert and you actually don't like having, you know, free flowing conversations, what have you, then podcasting might not be the best approach. And perhaps like blog writing might be, mm -hmm. uh, or something along those lines. Like for me, I hate writing blogs and I hate writing articles. So talking is the best thing for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then other than that, honestly, I think anyone can start a podcast. I remember like downloading an ebook um, that was like podcast for beginners or something. It was like this free ebook and in there it just told me like what I needed to do. So I think as long as you've got a laptop, a good yeah. pair of headphones, you don't even need a microphone at the start, like 
all the equipment you can get as you go on. Like it doesn't need yeah. to be, you don't need to be outlaying like hundreds of dollars to begin. If you want to do a podcast, just record an episode via Zoom, which is what we're on now yeah. um, and just put it out there. Like I'm not a perfectionist as you can probably tell. So I'm all for just doing it. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, as you go, you can edit and what have you. The programs I use are Zoom for recording if I'm doing it like online I use my editing is um just about to open because I don't even know I use garage yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's what I use and I use that and I use audacity as well so I sort of go between the two um and then I use Wooshka as my host and that's really it so yeah the rest of the stuff I honestly just think you can like headphones microphone you can pick up that as you go um yeah so that's podcasting yeah amazing they're great I don't know do you agree do you think you need anything else no I think that's spot on and I think people often overestimate what it's going to be like they think it's going to be really difficult to start and then as you mentioned like you can just find it in free ebooks or even on some blogs they break down how to start a podcast and it's really yeah. straightforward like we're very lucky these days it's come to a point where it is just anyone can start one um anyone yeah. can start one absolutely yeah. and if you've got like a point of difference or something yeah to speak about or you've got like yeah. i guess the other thing is having clear direction Um, and what you're trying to achieve with the podcast, like don't start a podcast and just have really random conversations every week because it's going to be hard for your guests to want to keep coming back. If you're just talking about like random shit constantly. So, um, you know, obviously having like clear direction as well is really important, um, and knowing what you're trying to achieve so that your listeners want to keep coming back. So, Yeah. Yeah, brilliant advice. And so how about some skills needed for clinical nutrition? Yep, so um, definitely a qualification. Yep, 100%. <laughs> and I, and I, <laughs> I say that because these days anyone's like, oh, I'm a nutritionist. I'm like, no, you're not. Yeah. Um, so qualification is first off. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing, like it depends on what sort of nutritionist you want to be. So um, some nutritionists just do it purely online and it works really well for them. And obviously with um, everything we're going through at the moment and the changes, like my business at the moment is purely online as well and it's working, you know, pretty well. So if you want to be an online nutritionist, you really don't need a lot. Again, a laptop and knowledge is really all you need. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're wanting to set up in practice, then just finding the right space for you is really important. You need to love your space. So um, yeah, finding the right space, um, skills, being able to talk to people, being able to collaborate with businesses. um, Yeah, I don't know. And then I guess as well, it can be particularly if someone's new or thinking that they want to get into um, becoming a clinical practitioner. I Mm -hmm. still remember when I first started practicing and I was so overwhelmed and the biggest things and pieces of advice I give any new practitioner is you don't need to know everything. And so don't act like you do. Yeah. So that's another skill, like being able to say to someone, oh, look, can you spell out that medication? Or I actually haven't heard of this condition. So do you mind if I uh, go away and do a bit of a research? I can guarantee your client will appreciate that so much more and you taking the time to research that particular, you know, presenting complaint or whatever it might be, then you just giving them a generic plan that they could have just Googled. So um, 
definitely just don't think you'd know everything and don't think you need to know everything. And still to this day, I set my appointments so that my initial appointment goes for an hour. I chat to people, I dive deep into their health history and what they're wanting to achieve. And then we actually go away for about a week. And during that week, they'll often have homework to do. I have research to do. And a week later, we then come back together and put together their plan. So yeah. Um, and I do that purely because I don't want to um, miss anything and I want to give people the most tailored specific program. So, yeah, definitely, I don't know, biggest piece of advice, I guess. Um, but, yeah, other than that, I don't really know what other skills you need. <laughs> well, I think that's really helpful and I love that you touched on that whole not pretending to know everything because it's almost impossible to know everything. Like this is a huge field. There's so much to know and it's always changing as well. So yeah, it's so important to be comfortable being able to be honest with people and yeah, they do absolutely respect that. Yeah, absolutely. And that was something that my mentor taught me very early on. And it took me a little while to get comfortable with that because I was like, oh, they're paying me and I've just given them nothing. But the other, like, you know, on that initial consult, I've just sent them away. But the other part of it is there's normally other pieces of the puzzle that you may need that they didn't have right then and there. And, um, and yeah, you just need time to be able to go away and sit on it and work out what is the best um, approach. And if we think about, you know, a naturopathic or a nutrition um, philosophy, it's do no harm. So I feel like it's my obligation to send that client away and make sure I dive deep into their history before I go recommending anything that could potentially harm the situation. Yeah, definitely. So important. Um, Mm. So you mentioned you had that mentor initially. Do you still have a mentor now or do you feel like just having that at the start was enough or what's your advice around mentorship in the field? Yeah, so I don't have a mentor at the moment. I um, have used a lot of business coaches to help um, build my brand and had that mentor at the beginning, which, as I said, was just invaluable to me. It was something that I'll be forever grateful for. Um, I have some really amazing friends within the industry that I use, you know, and chat to all the time about, you know, different obstacles or whatever's coming up. So I guess that they're sort of my mentor at the moment. Um, But yeah, I don't have a mentor now, but I'm definitely not close to it. And if the right mentor came along, I would jump at the opportunity. I just haven't found who that is just yet. Yeah. And is it something you recommend to other people? Like how you did have that one coming straight out? Do you recommend that for anyone else who's finishing? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, yes, I do. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) good answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, honestly, like I just don't even have words to how much that started my career. And it goes back to, again, you know, speaking to people who have done what you want to do or have made mistakes, you know, you just learn so much. So had I just gone out into the setting I'm in now, Mm -hmm. I still wouldn't be charging what I am now, I still wouldn't see my services of value to what they are now. I would be, um, still wouldn't really, I I honestly don't think I would have set my sessions up the way I've set them up without having this mentor to talk me through. Um, yeah, yeah, I just find it incredible. Um, yeah. And I, I recommend everyone do it. Yeah. 
the way I see mentoring is it's almost like they're fast tracking you to where you want to be because they are really just like pointing you in the directions you need to go and giving you those firsthand tips based on their own experience. So yeah, it's interesting that you say that and I completely agree. Yeah. 100%. And the other thing with like consulting one-on-one is you have to constantly be topping up your clientele. So I'm not one for bringing people in to see me just purely to make money. So, um, you know, some clients I won't see for three months, other clients I'll see weekly, other clients I'll see once a month, like it depends. But because of that, you're always having to find new clients as well. And so, um, you know, being able to fast track your career, like what you just said, it helps a lot because you're not having a battle with that constant client top up as well as trying to learn how to run your business because you've got support to help you with both sides. So, um, yeah, Yeah. definitely fast tracks. So beneficial. So tell us a little bit about what a typical day in your life looks like. If there is a typical day. <laughs> oh, God. Um, there is no typical. So um, as I've said, I have a little bubby at home. So he's now eight months tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, my days are really, really varied. I guess when I'm at uni and I'm at the back end of my course now, I'm almost finished, but I will wake up every morning at 5am and I'll normally study from 5 to 9am because that's when my brain's very productive and when my baby sleeps. Yep. So I normally get that uh, done. We then go and exercise. I go to a little mums and bubs group and at, by 11 o'clock we're home and while he goes down for his nap, I go into practice. Yep. And so I'm normally in practice for a couple of hours from about 11 a.m. And then I have a really big break in the afternoon. And then when my husband comes back from work, I normally go back into practice for another few hours. So um, I... I like spacing my day out like that. And even pre-Bubby, I always had a break in the middle of my day because I personally can't see more than four to five clients at any given time because it just takes so much mentally to be able to see clients back to back. Mm. And so I really need space in the middle of my day where I can go for a walk, get out, get some fresh air and then recharge and come back for my um, evening clients. Yeah. So... Yeah, that's sort of like a day when I'm studying, when uni's not on, then normally my study is filled with podcasts. So um, then, you know, I wouldn't wake up. I'd probably wake up like six and I spend the first few hours editing podcasts, um, setting up, sending out emails, doing whatever I've got to do. And then, yeah, back into practice. Um, And with each client, I normally spend, so I'll see a client in practice from 15 minutes to an hour, just depending. And then with every client, like it would be very rare if I didn't spend at least another one to sometimes three hours, depending on the complexity of the case um, outside of my time with them as well. So a lot of research goes into all my clients' uh, programs too. So I often will do that like in the middle of my day or um, have a day on the weekend where I do that. Yeah. So yeah, it's sort of my, my days, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds like a good setup though. 
yeah, when my baby sleeps, it works great. Yeah, when true. He decides, <laughs> when he decides to be awake uh, through the night, it is very challenging to wake up mm. at 5 a.m. and motivate myself. Um, uh. But all my clients are also really beautiful. So if I get stuck and I have to bring him into practice, they are all adore him. And although uh. I don't love to do that, um, i got to do what i got to do. So if my yeah. babysitter flakes or what have you, we don't have family around. So um, yeah, sometimes he comes into practice with me as well. So it just depends oh, on where we're at. <laughs> so cute. It's great how it's so adaptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. I mean, when he's, when he's moving, it's not going to be quite as adaptable. Yeah. But for now. <laughs> for now it's still good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, mm. sounds good. Um, so what is your vision for the future or some of the goals you're working towards? Um, so my number one goal is to finish studying. Um, that is set to be by the end of the year, but it just depends because I did the nutrition degree first. I'm getting a little bit stuck on prerequisites with subjects. So I'm getting a little Mm -hmm. bit held up. Um, so hopefully I'll have that knocked off by the end of the year. Um, so that's my number one goal. Um, from there, it's just continuing to build freedom wellness. I'm currently working um, on uh, becoming a nutritionist for a few brands that I love, or at least ambassadors, so I can play a bigger role within their health uh, companies. So yep. that's a really big goal for me this year is to find some health brands or companies that I can become an ambassador or a nutritionist for as well. Um, yeah. And yeah, and then obviously just get the podcast sorted and get my seasons up and running and yeah, but at the moment, to be honest, like I'm normally a very goal focused person, but having a newborn studying full time and working full time, I find that I can only set like one thing in my sights. So at the moment that is purely to finish studying yeah. and then the future will vary because I'm not done having babies so yeah. as soon as I'm done studying I hope to have another bubby as well which oh, yeah. you know that's probably my next goal if yeah. I'm honest oh, that's a nice goal <laughs> yeah so um yeah so in terms of nutrition I'm just going to keep on um prodding along and building my business and getting it to a space and you know long term I hope to have my own practice with practitioners working out of the freedom wellness clinic um but that will be in the future when i'm done having babies (laughs) yeah no there's some brilliant goals though i'm very excited for those to all come to yeah me too (laughs) (laughs) so what does success mean to you oh um happiness i think yeah i think success like we can i don't know i think we need to be happy and content i think um we can always be chasing everything we don't have and never get to where we want to be and always consider ourselves not successful just purely because we haven't hit that goal or we haven't reached that target. And so I think, you know, success for me, I probably used to be that like a real goal chaser, um, target hitter, but I was never, ever happy. And in my eyes, I was never successful either. Um, I remember when it was like my 20, uh, what was I? I can't remember. It was my I think I was 29. I remember like crying to my husband because I felt like I 
hadn't reached success and he was like open your eyes like you are doing amazing for your age and so yeah for me it's just about being so like happy and content with where you're at and I think everything else will fall into place and I think success can be measured by many things and it's not just by money so I don't know if that answers the question. It does. (laughs) Yes, it's a beautiful answer. I love it. (laughs) But yeah. (laughs) Um, And what do you attribute your success to date to? Um, Probably my support system, to be honest. Um, I have a beautiful, supportive husband who is always home at like 5 p.m. so I can be in practice and still chasing my goals and dreams. And yeah. And so I think, you know, he's been huge, particularly since having a baby um, and just having, you know, the mentor behind me and having business coaches and just having a really supportive um, team and bunch of friends and family who have just always got my back. I think it goes a long way. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> um, what is one mindset shift that you think is necessary for a successful career? Oh, mindset shift. Gosh, I wish I read these questions. <laughs> um, what would be a mindset shift? You can't be grateful and bitter at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I think in the world we live in, it's very easy to be looking at other people and what they're doing and start to feel a bit res- a bit resentful or a bit bitter towards that particular person. Yep. And I think it's really important to always be shifting your focus to gratitude because without gratitude, then I just think we're going to get nowhere in life and mm-hmm. you can't have the both at the same time. So you need to make a choice. You either choose to be bitter or you choose to be grateful for where you're at what you have and what's to come in your life yeah I'm such a big fan of gratitude and it's so Mm. true as you say like when you're grateful you're not feeling the other side of the spectrum so you really appreciate it and it sort of comes back to your definition of success as well like you are happier and you're recognizing your achievements and how much you've done and what you do have in life rather than looking at the lack Yeah, 100%, 100%. So, and I think um, we need to remember like, you know, on that energy is also a decision. So we choose to have energy, we choose. So wherever you're focusing that energy is what is going to come for you. So if you're focusing that energy on, you know, looking at other people and comparing yourself and, you know, wondering why you're not there, then that is the energy you're going to carry and that's going to get you nowhere. So I think we also need to, yeah, just remember gratitude and energy is a choice. So we need to choose to have the right energy around us. Yeah, absolutely. I love the quote, um, where energy go, no, where attention goes, energy flows. And that really links into what you were just saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true as well. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, so book question now, if there was one book that you recommend every reader, every listener were to read, what would it be and why? Oh, is this in general or health space? <laughs> Actually, uh, to you. I what only really read health that? books anyway. <laughs> um, what would that be? Actually, I really like um, Louise Hay. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I like um, 
because I think, you know, there's lots of good books that dive into like gut and hormone health and all that sort of stuff, but it depends on what you're into as well as a practitioner. But from a general point of view, I really love um, Louise Hay and everything she promotes. And I, the book that's jumping to mind is Loving Yourself to Greater Health. So Mm -hmm. I'm a big believer in... um, you know, we need to, like clients particularly, and I guess this is a part of my journey, is they will, I won't say they, some people will absolutely never be happy even if you hit all of their health goals, they will still not see it. And so I think Loving Yourself to Greater Health is a really amazing book to be able to teach your clients some self-love tips so that when they're reaching and achieving their goals, they can actually recognise it and... um yeah, because I've had it in the past where like I've helped my clients hit all of their health goals and they're feeling amazing, but they're still not happy and they're still striving for more. And it's just like, stop being this moment yeah. um, and realize how far you've come. So yeah, Loving Yourself to Greater Health is a really nice book from Louise Hay. Amazing. Yeah, I love Louise Hay. I haven't read that one, but I've read a couple of her others. So I'm going to have to pick that one up too. Yeah. yeah, she's <laughs> yeah. she's great. And it's a nice, yeah. like, light read. Yeah. Yeah, she has a really yeah. good way of conveying really important messages that I think, yeah, a lot more people should be open to and know about. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we finish up, let's talk a little bit about how you take care of your own health. Because in nutrition, we are in the business of helping others. But do you find that it's really important to prioritize your health? And what do you do to do that? 100%. So I used to be um, a yes, a yes man person. Like I would just say yes, yes, yes to everything. Yeah. Um, nowadays, I say no to so much, like, um, because I really feel I learned really early on in my thyroid journey that I need sleep and I need a stress free life. Mm-hmm. So, in order to manage that, um, with everything going on, I have to say no and I just have to have a lot of downtime. So I that's probably my number one thing is um, having downtime. I also need to be by the water every single day. So I will always get out and go for walks and just release my mind. Um, And if I don't have clients of an evening, often I do that just with my dog and without my baby so that I'm getting a chance just to really clear my mind. I call it my mind cleanse. Um, Yeah, like it's so (laughs) important, particularly when you're seeing clients every day and you're taking on all of their um, concerns and problems and emotions. You just need to get out and have that mind cleanse. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, they're probably the biggest things. I mean, obviously food, like I'm so big on nutrition and um, food just plays such a huge role in my life because I truly believe in the power of food as medicine. Yeah. And so we love, you know, cooking and my husband's actually the main cook in our house. So he um, creates and cooks beautiful meals that we always have on hand. And um, yeah, and every day I get out and exercise um, 
as well. So I do a mums and bubs like hit intensity class and I do that with my baby because I like the thought of him growing up watching his mama stay fit and healthy and doing what she loves. So they're just like a few of the things that I do, but I will always 100% put myself first, even if that means cancelling a client because I'm having a bad day or whatever it will be, I 100% will do it. Yeah, that's such good advice and so important. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think if you can't show up for yourself on a particular day, that you're probably mm. not going to be able to show up for your client the way you'd want to and the way they deserve. If they're a paying client, um, you really need to be able to be there for them. And if you can't do that, then I would prefer to, I mean, it rarely happens, but I would cancel someone if I if I had to. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Well, that's mm. so good. Um, mm. And so do you have any parting words of advice for the listeners? Um, yeah, I, I guess for new practitioners, I definitely think to try to specialize in something. Um, you know, when we were talking before, we were saying like, you're almost like a GP specializing in that. I, I specialize in like women's hormones and pregnancy and fertility. Um, I was told early on in my career not to specialize in something. And I think it makes it really hard to promote yourself. And I also think that with nutrition, it's such a large space that is forever evolving and new research is coming out. And so I find it very hard not to specialize in something, um, whether that be in a general census or on a particular body system. Um, or condition but yeah so I definitely think we need to specialize particularly if we want to become an expert and be able to help our clients the most yeah um but besides that I mean find what makes you happy like there's so many different routes you can go as a practitioner in this industry and so you know if practicing one-on-one overwhelms you then don't do it if um, working on your own excites you then go and do that if you hate blog posts and writing then don't write like you know what I mean like just find whatever you enjoy doing and don't make yourself do stuff you don't like yeah uh, because you'll get over it really quickly (laughs) yeah (laughs) it needs to be something that lasts like you want to be enjoying what you do so you're in this long term yeah Yeah, 100% definitely So speaking of specialising, how did you find your niche and how did you choose what to specialise in? Yeah, so I think a lot of um, people or a lot of practitioners often specialise in what they've gone through. Yeah. And so I do see a lot of autoimmune um, conditions. However, it's not, believe it or not, like my huge passion, Um, but I know I can help people uh, manage their autoimmune conditions. So I do see a lot of them, but um, I think for me, hormone health and pregnancy and fertility, that's just, again, come out of my own journey of um, having a miscarriage and then having a second pregnancy and my beautiful little boy. So, um, yeah, I that's, that's definitely an area that I've become passionate in probably in the past year and a half and an area that I've really been um, zoning in on uh, more recently. Yeah. yeah. But I think a lot of it comes from people's own experiences yeah. with their own health or someone close to them or uh, whatever it might be. Yeah, it makes sense. Did you notice that when you did sort of find that specialty, your business sort of grew quicker or was it sort of just a natural progression? No, my business definitely grew quicker. And that was more because like on social media and stuff like that, I finally had something to talk about. Yeah. Like it wasn't just a, like people knew what they were coming and seeing me for. 
Yeah. And again, like it's not all, um, you know, pregnant women that I see. I still do have like some clients that I see for weight loss or I see a lot of menopausal women, which is still on that hormonal um, route. Uh, but yeah, and then as I said, autoimmune. So mm -hmm. I still see varied clients that I know I can help with. But if I see a condition, like if someone came to me and they had cancer, that would be something I would refer on. I would not take that on myself. Yeah. Um, so, because I know that someone else can do that better than me. Um, so yeah, but yeah, no, my business definitely grew. And a lot of that I think came from social media and finally having something to talk about on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. I have heard other people say similar things as well, that once they did sort of niche down, they really noticed their business transform. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's yeah. really important to do. Yeah. Another thing I remember that I wanted to ask you was, are you doing everything on your own? Cause like, as you mentioned, you've got a lot on your plate doing everything you do. So is it all just a one person team or do you outsource any of the things you do at the moment? No, at the minute it's all just me. Um, I used to outsource the podcast recording, but I just do that myself now um, purely because I enjoy it and it's my creative outlet. Um, yeah, no, what do I do? What do I outsource? I outsource like all of my web design and that sort of stuff. Like I never try to dive into like the technical side of my business. <laughs> like if something goes wrong on my website, I'm not going to spend hours trying to do it. So that's yeah. always outsourced. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, other than that, and I've got a graphic designer as well who will do like any say eBooks or any of my marketing material. Yeah. But besides that, um, yeah, I do everything else. And Incredible. that is more so, yeah, like I can't wait for that to change, to be honest. And I can't <laughs> wait to have practitioners working under my brand and what have you. But yeah. um, at the moment, it's just like not doable with a new bubby. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I can't wait for the day where I've got a team working alongside me but for now yeah. it's just me <laughs> yeah well you do a really good job at balancing it all very impressive uh, thank you <laughs> yeah a lot of balls constantly uh, you know up in the air and juggling and yeah, yeah. <laughs> what you got to do <laughs> yeah <laughs> no but you can tell when you're so passionate about it in your case like you can just it shines through everything you do so oh, yeah. thank you yeah, yeah. <laughs> So last but not least, where can the listeners find you to follow along your journey? Yeah, so I am most active on Instagram under Freedom Wellness. Um, and then my website is just freedomwellness.com.au and my podcast Beautiful. is a Freedom Wellness Podcast. Nice and easy, all very consistent. Yes, all <laughs> yeah. very consistent. Beautiful. <laughs> and I will link to those in the show notes. So for anyone looking for those, you can find them on the website. Amazing. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me here today. This has been such an awesome combo and I know I've personally learned so much from you. So I'm sure everyone who listens to this episode will be the same. Oh, I hope so. And thanks for having me. My pleasure. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. I feel like I gained so much valuable insight and advice from it and I hope you agree. If you did enjoy this episode, please leave me a review and tell me what you think. I would love to hear your feedback. Do you know anyone else that this episode can benefit? I would be so grateful if you share it with them. That way, they too can benefit from all of the insight that we covered today. 
Your support means so much to me and together we can help even more people build a career and a life that they love. Thank you for being here. Until next time, keep making your dreams a reality. Thank you.